Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we explore the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. In this, our fourth season, we're looking at Kenneth Branagh's 2011 film, Thor. I'm Matthew Fox from TheEthicalPanda.com. And I'm Andy Nelson from TheNextReel.com. And today we're kicking off this Thor season by diving deep into the source material from whence it came, the comic books and a little bit the myths. And I'm excited because my own podcasting happens on the Stranded Panda Podcast Network, which is a great network of podcasts. My own podcast, Superhero Ethics, and the Star Wars Universe podcast can both be found there. But the flagship of it and the the uh, the show that I've been a fan of for a long time and that actually kind of got me into podcasting is one called the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. And they go really in-depth into the movies, the TV shows, stuff like that. It's another great podcast I recommend people checking out. And one of the two hosts, Jeff Randall, uh, is here today to discuss the character of Thor in the comics and in, in other sources. So, Jeff, how are you doing today? Jeff Randall, that's me. I'm I'm that guy. I'm doing all right, sir. How are how are you guys? Doing good. Good. I'm good. It's good to good to have you on in this uh new new part of my own podcasting career. And uh, uh I know I, I for a while I've been trying to connect you and Matt with Andy and Pete running uh, the Marvel Movie Minutes. I'm really glad we can make this connection. And uh, hopefully this will be a connection that uh, we keep both of on. Yeah, I feel like we've been circling each other for a uh, a good long while. Like yeah, yeah, we'll like check back or. <laughs> you know, when we get some free time, we'll remember to email you back. And, like, we just were terrible. Like, I don't know why we haven't had somebody be, like, the scheduling person for us, because we both have ADHD. And, like, it's it's awful for us to try to schedule anything. <laughs> I, I can understand that. I can understand that. Well, so I, got, I wanted to get you on especially because I know that you love all of the MCU, but Thor always always seemed to have, like, a particular, you know, place in your heart. Uh, on the stream, he's now holding up a little hammer. Uh, you know, every time uh, Thor gets mentioned in the MCU podcast, you go a little bit nuts. What is it about Thor that makes you love this character so much? Uh, he's the god of thunder. Like, Thor Thor has always held a, a really strong place in my heart. Uh, my my grandmother's grandparents are from Finland and Norway, so like I, I feel like I have a strong tie to all the Norse mythology. And the Norse, like especially the Norse gods, are they're not perfect. They're they're like they're basically just like actual people, uh, in that you know, they all have they have faults in some way. Not not like Zeus where they just can't keep it in their pants, but like <laughs> <laughs> but like Thor sometimes just gets a little too angry and like, man, I get angry. Like I can, I can see myself in a lot of them. You know, Balder is beautiful. I'm beautiful. Like <laughs> <laughs> it's just, uh, it's, it's a, it feels like a more down to earth, so to speak, kind of mythology. And then whenever the, uh, the Thor comics were happening when, you know, I was in probably high school when I started to dive into a little bit of that and, you know, found that he was like, I, I was always a fan of the, the chivalry tales and like, you know, people who are honorable and the honorable heroes always doing the right thing. And like Thor always seemed to be one of those that just could not be put down. He was always, always ready to go when anything needed to happen, when anybody needed help. He was there. He was on it. He's super strong. Like he's got it all. And I was, you know, it's the, it's the superhero character that, you know, is kind of the Marvel equivalent of Superman, so to speak, mm, okay. in that he's, you know, he's got it all, except that 
still he feels, you know, he's got those weaknesses that everybody else can have of like, right. maybe he's not the, he's not the smartest guy. You know, he's not a, a tech whiz. He's not a science guy. He's, you know, he knows what he, he knows his place and his place is behind Mjolnir swinging it. And there's a certain arrogance with him and yeah. pride and, and, and like, yeah, like you were saying, he's, he's not perfect. He has a lot of these traits that, that we all do. And that's what's so nice about seeing him is that he, you know, we, we can see that as a reflection. Yep. Yeah. I, I kind of love that you make the comparison to Superman because I think generally when I think of a Superman equivalent in Marvel, I first go to Captain America because they're basically both sort of the big blue Boy Scout type. But part of why Cap, why Superman is always frustrated with me is I always feel like this character probably is very arrogant. This probably is character is ridiculously patronizing, but the writers don't seem to know that. And I feel like with Thor, the writers know that, you know, but, and they manage to make him not, you know, an annoying character. They make him just very human and very relatable in that, like, yeah, if everyone around you thinks you're a god, you're probably not going to be like shy and retiring. You know, you're going to have a little (laughs) bit of confidence and a little bit of swagger. And, and Thor seems that perfect example of this sort of, you know, the Dallas Cowboy coach, Tom Landry, used to say, like, you know, if you've done the thing you said you've done is not bragging. Uh, and that's kind of <laughs> Thor, you know, like, he's a braggart, except he actually does the thing he said he'd do, yeah, you know? he backs it up. Mm-hmm. Like, I will defend Medgard, and then, oh, there he is, he's defending Medgard, like, every time. Oh, wow, right. okay. He gives his life for Midgard several times. But, you know, that's comics. So which side of, did did you know about Thor from the the Norse mythology before you knew about the comic book Thor? Is that kind of do I understand what you're saying? Um a little bit like I I dove more into the Norse mythology after I had gotten into the comics. Like I knew a a, a touch, you know, like a, a a skimming if you will, uh of the Norse mythology beforehand, but then, you know, I I did kind of this what we're doing here of like, well, let me dive into the source material. <laughs> And see where that's coming from. And their stories are crazy. <laughs> their <laughs> stories are just a lot of of ridiculousness. I, I think that it was um, in uh, Thor Ragnarok when he's talking about the the prank that Loki played on him, where he turned into a snake and bit him, or something like yes. that. And uh, like, <laughs> it, it, but like that's exactly what the actual mythological stories are. They're like these crazy things like that. And I, yep. I find that it's so interesting when you when you look at the way that these tales are told that that they are they can just be malicious to each other. And uh, but in but they're always coming back. Like that's something about it that yeah. I always appreciate is that they're. Like he and Loki, particularly, like they're they're always still, um, you know, brothers. There's yep. always still family. So. He's still my brother, and <laughs> my favorite line in that part is like, you know, I love snakes. <laughs> so I picked right. it up to admire, and it's like, oh, it's me. Ah. <laughs> and that's that's kind of how I tell the stories whenever, like, uh, whenever I have to to talk about Norse mythology. Pff, have to whenever I get to talk about Norse mythology. Um, that's kind of how it is. It's like, well, this thing happened and this guy is away. Look at that. Now he's now he's not the bride. Like right. <laughs> the tales are are a ton of fun if you if you can have a drink and look at them as like somebody was having fun with everybody telling the story. They feel like myths told by people who are happily drinking as they tell them. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, I mean, like, you know, it's northern Scandinavia. It's one of the uh, the, the most important 
documents of the that we have surviving the Eddas are from Iceland. You know, uh, yep. th- there's not a lot. You sit around by a fire an awful lot of the time in the eighth and ninth centuries, so that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And so, had, had, were you were you a big Marvel fan already before kind of Thor came along? Honestly, I was I was kind of on both sides. Like I grew up watching uh, Batman the animated series and um, the Superman animated series and you know, Batman Beyond, and I love those. And uh, the other one was the X-Men uh, 90s cartoon, which, you know, that's like, that is the the baseline for all things. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, when, you know, the X-Men movies came out in 2000, 2002, 2005, um, I think it was 2003, 2005. Anyway, uh, when the, the those first sets of X-Men movies came out, I was really excited. Spider-Man came out, I was really excited. Like, it was all, it was all, all things Marvel were doing great, uh, in my opinion, even though, like, some people didn't like the Fantastic Four movies. I still loved them. Um, and I was, like, I was watching the casting list for the Thor movie like a hawk. Whenever, right. whenever they were announcing that, I was like, I have a, I have a list and I don't want Triple H on it. Like that was, that was pretty much the only thing is keep triple H out of my Thor. And we lucked out. I didn't, I didn't think, I didn't know about Chris or I didn't know about Chris Hemsworth. Um, a little iffy because I was like Alexander Skarsgård. He's Scandinavian. He's like six foot five or something. He's really tall. Like he's blonde. Or Stellan, you mean? No, oh, not, you meant you meant. Oh, you wanted Alexander Skarsgård to yeah. be Thor. I got you. I wanted Alexander Skarsgård, and then they were like, "We've announced Stellan Skarsgård's going to be in the movie." I'm like, "But what about his kid? But yeah. what about his kid? Give me his kid." <laughs> <laughs> and um, so yeah, like I I was kind of a fan of both for a while, and then Marvel just like really took off with the movies with the MCU, and. DC just kind of wasn't there. Like they kept doing their one-offs and like the dark Knight was an incredible film. You know, Batman begins was great. We don't talk about the dark Knight rises, but it existed. <laughs> like, like there were, there were some one-offs here and there where DC was kind of doing okay in film, but they were always really solid in the animated stuff. But then when they brought us to, you know, the MCU films starting in 2008, it was like, this is, this is the way quote another disney property <laughs> this is the way <laughs> so what are some of the what are some of your favorite runs or stories from thor your favorite but also even more like the the stories that you feel like you read it and like that that's the definitive thor that really helps you understand who thor in the comic book is there's a run done by jason aaron you know a lot of people were saying like jason aaron's great for all these other comics but like once he got his hands on thor that was it. It was a match made in heaven. He did, uh, he did the run with Gore the God Butcher, which was amazing because you've got a uh, a person that has seen destruction at the hands of gods of various pantheons, alien or otherwise, and they um, they kind of let his people suffer in really bad ways and really awful ways. And this guy Gore, uh, who eventually becomes Gore the God Butcher. Um, He's like, how, how can they be divine? How can any of these gods be worthy if they let these things happen to the people that, that pray to them, to, that love them? So he's like, 
I have to kill them. <laughs> I don't know why that's like, that's the, the next logical step, but he's like, I'm going to kill all the pantheons. And so he starts to do that. <laughs> I, I'm laughing yeah. a bit just because I, my background academically is in theology and theology, like the, the question you just mentioned of like, if God is all loving and all powerful, why do bad things happen? Right. Is referred to as theodicy and like monks and rabbis and, and imams and, and, all religious scholars of all sorts of uh, believers in monotheistic faiths have been arguing about this question for literally thousands of years. Yep. I don't know how many have come to the answer of, well, if God isn't all of those things, we should just kill all the gods. So I, <laughs> I, but I, I want to make sure if I ever have to write a theological paper on theodicy again, I'm quoting you know, uh, uh, the God Butcher, because that sounds like a, a very interesting take on an age-old theological question. Yep. Obviously, they just haven't seen Bruce Almighty because we know what happens when God answers yes to every uh, email that comes in. Yeah, right. yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> you know, but I, but I, I really enjoy the fact that you're bringing up this the Gore the God Butcher line because it, I mean, it is a really solid story that actually kind of it, it tells this story and it's it's beautifully put together. I mean, the the way the art and everything in it is it's, oh, it's great. The Necro Sword is oh, it's it's oh, fantastic. It's but so good. And, and then you have the three Thors kind of coming together all. So to to fight, I mean, it's just it's designed in a really interesting way that does still ask all these questions and allow for uh, for a big story. And it's just you know knowing that we're going to be seeing Gore the God Butcher coming up with uh, uh, Love and Thunder. It's just it's interesting to see what they're going to do with that. But it's a, that's a great uh, first line to talk about here. Another great one by Jason Aaron um, that I think that they're going to be referencing in Love and Thunder um, is the Mighty Thor after All New All Different. Um, it was in 2015, 2016, somewhere in that range, uh, after Secret Wars, when, or well, actually it was after Original Sin, um, when something happened, I won't <laughs> spoil it, something happened to make Thor unworthy, um, a line was whispered to him, uh, Thor was no, or sorry, Odin's son was no longer worthy of Mjolnir, and Mjolnir dropped in the Mighty Thor number one, after that, you know, in the in the new run, uh, we see a lady pick it up, and it takes several issues of Odin's son trying to figure out who this person is that picks up Mjolnir and takes on the uh, the look of a female version, like a, a mysterious female version of Thor, and takes on the mantle of Thor, has the, all the power and. Uh, is, you know, just trying to be a a good hero. And, like, I think it was issue six or seven where it actually was revealed that it was Jane Foster who had Mm. picked up the hammer and that she had cancer. Spoilers! Yeah, well, (laughs) it's the movie, man. Come on. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, she, like, she had cancer and uh, wielding Mjolnir wasn't helping anything. Like, it you know, it turned her into a a superhero or, you know, the equivalent of a, of a god for a little bit, but kind of made her cancer worse. <laughs> wow. And like, it was, you know, it, it's that like, what, what is the line for humanity where like, you have to do the right thing. You have to help people who need help, but you know, it's a detriment to yourself. Like, where is the line there? And like, it was, it was very... Uh, a very powerful story. Odin's son gets his arm cut off, has it replaced by the uh, the arm of the destroyer armor. So he's got like this metal spiky arm. After that, it's it's an intense run. Okay, 
Okay, so he's kind of a proto-Winter Soldier in that regard. A little bit. Yeah, right. Yeah. Now, now, question regarding Jane. Um, I have, I've actually started that run, but I haven't, I haven't finished it. But I can't remember. Is she? Do they stick with her still being a nurse in that line, or in that particular uh, line? Have they like post Thor this film? Have they started evolving the character of Jane, where she is at times perhaps a scientist instead of a nurse? At that point, she was a um, she was like an, a liaison or an ambassador to okay. like a council uh at at Asgard like she was a representative of Midgard um but oh, she was wow. also okay. on like she was also in Asgard to get healing um and <laughs> she kept refusing the uh this like special Asgardian treatment they're like you know we can do some magic and just like it's gone <laughs> like <laughs> we'll take that right out and she's like no 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 I want to do the normal treatment I want to you know <laughs> want to do the normal human thing and then I don't know. So funny. I don't know why she didn't just take it. Just take it. Right. (laughs) So I I have a a question about Mjolnir since we brought that up. I've been reading through the the mythology, and I think one of my favorite myths is the one that actually starts with a scene that is just briefly kind of referenced in the most recent Loki TV show about how Loki uh, cut off Sif's hair. And in the Norse myth... Loki cuts off Sif's hair, and then Thor is mad, and so Loki comes up with this epic plan to try and win, like, make sure that, to basically get back Sif's hair, which is he goes and he fools the dwarves to have them make gifts, and there's an awful lot of yada, yada, yada. It's like five different stories kind of tacked (laughs) onto one. But the point of this story is, somewhere along the way, along with uh, uh, basically the best wig that's ever been wigged, uh, to replace Sif's hair, the dwarves also make this great hammer, which which is Mjolnir, and that's how, in the mythology, Thor gets Mjolnir, and it's kind of a, like, Loki is just the, the one who's forever, like, causing his own problems, you know? Yeah. Uh, and does that, is, is the origin of Mjolnir ever told in the comic books, and is it that same, like, connected to Loki and, and, and all that, or is it just not mentioned, or a totally different story? Yes and no, in that order. It is, uh, the, the origin of Mjolnir is explained in comics and it is nowhere near what it is in the <laughs> mythology. And it's, it's, part of it is, it's explained in the uh, Jason Aaron run where Jane Foster is, is, uh, Thor. Basically, Mjolnir is sentient, but mm. Mjolnir is a sentient storm like a cosmic storm that consumes all the life on a planet, much like Galactus. But it's like super ancient way back in the day. And I can't remember exactly what it was, but like something happened to where uh, the dwarves of Nidvalir, they gave <laughs> they gave Odin a chunk of Uru. And he's like, oh, cool. All right. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just he's sitting there staring at it like the hell am I going to do with this? <laughs> and then this sentient storm comes up and Uru is known for being like a, a a metal that can you know be enchanted very easily and you know take on magical properties or whatever so this cosmic storm is coming to Asgard and Odin's like I got just the thing for that. <laughs> pulls out the, the the block of Uru and like has a battle with the storm and basically traps the storm inside the chunk of Uru. And then he takes that to the dwarves and he's like, hey, got this enchanted Uru. And they're like, dude, that's a lot of power. 
Like, <laughs> you got to calm down. And he's like, no, 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 make this into a weapon for my son. So, you know, it's a, it's a bit of a different path to get there, but it's still like the dwarves made it with the, with Uru and like, right. you know, gave it back to him. It was a gift technically, but it started out as just a hunk. They're like, here's this. <laughs> right. Like, I don't know. Okay, what to do so with this. so no Loki involvement, but at least no. kind of the rest of it. Did they cover? Because I mean, because Gungnir, uh, Odin's spear, his that's also Uru. Yep. Um, but it's not. Uh, I, I'm assuming that it's purely an enchantment that that Odin puts on Mjolnir that allows it to only be wielded by somebody who is worthy. Yeah, is that- I I think that um, like that the the worthiness thing in in norse mythology is a bit more like if you're strong enough and that's the main thing is like he thor can't lift it unless he's got his his belt like his magical belt that doubles his strength um otherwise you know just nothing happens um but it's been kind of it's kind of shifted here and there in in history to be like sometimes it's just strong people sometimes it's people who are pure of heart and you know it'll make itself light for them and it'll be like we i can just throw whatever um (laughs) in in comics they they pretty uh consistently keep it at like just worthy being you know a good person good hero and you know, there's a little bit of a contingency there where, like, if they're a good person and Thor's not around <laughs> or <laughs> and Thor's unconscious. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And interesting, like, because as you said that in the comics, uh, Mjolnir is somewhat sentient because mm. I've always kind of wondered. So who's actually deciding, you know, who, you know, is it just sort of something like pre-programmed, like uh, moral, ethical, you know, <laughs> Tick equation. These boxes. <laughs> or, or it, right. And it sounds like what you're saying is that Mjolnir seems like kind of a sorting hat from Harry Potter of like, it can look <laughs> into your soul when you touch it and decide, yeah, I'll let you lift me up or, or no, thank you. Yeah. Kind of yeah. for the longest time, it was, it was thought that it was just an enchantment put on there by Odin and whoever is good enough, ticks all the boxes. It's, you know, meets the criteria. Boom. They get the hammer. But then after, after that line is whispered, Mjolnir drops and doesn't listen, like, doesn't allow Thor to pick it up, and it doesn't listen to Odin. And Odin is baffled, like, absolutely baffled by what's going on. Um, so, we, you know, it, it kind of comes to light that it's not Odin, it's it's definitely Mjolnir. That's really interesting. Uh, obviously something that hasn't been explored in the films, but I, I love that they have kind of crafted that into these stories in the comics i feel like that's an advantage of you know we get two hours of a movie maybe eight hours in a tv show 30 to 40 years of comic book you can go into a lot more detail (laughs) yeah like not only not only is it 30 to 40 years of comic books but it's like 30 to 40 years of multiple universes of comic books because like a lot of the a lot of the stuff in the mcu is based on ultimate comics Mm, okay right yeah because here's the thing, the thing that I've kind of wondered about a lot, and it's obviously such a fundamental part of the movie as well, so it feels very relevant. In the Norse mythology, you know, we have the nine realms all held together by Yggdrasil, Yggdrasil. And my understanding, at least, is that that is supposed to be all of reality. You know, that yep. that's in part because, you know, it's it's created by Norse people in the, you know, ninth, 10th, 11th centuries that they don't know as much from like all these other right. things. In and certainly the way Odin and Thor and Heimdall and all that talk about it in the movie, 
it certainly seems to apply, like, these are the nine realms of, of reality. And yet, in the MCU, now we know that, you know, actually, there's all these other planets out there. There's all these, not even dimensions, but just, you know, there's Titan. Titan isn't one of the nine realms. There's the the uh, world of the um, the, the Kree and the, yeah, and the Skrulls. Yeah, exactly. Um, Captain Marvel's people and all that. Where does all that fit into the nine realms? Is the nine realms just kind of like one corner of the universe, or how does it all fit? The way that they told it in mythology is much like you said, like, this is all of existence. You know, these these worlds exist in that place and that place. And, you know, it's it's all connected by Yggdrasil, the world tree. But, um, you know, the modern science has given us uh, <laughs> a bit more understanding of exoplanets. Um, so... With the MCU, I don't recall them ever saying like this is re- this is all of reality uh, or this is all of existence is held together by the world tree. It's just kind of like Thor explains it to Jane in that kind of fantastical Norse way of like you know all this is the the fantasy of the tree and you know these these planets are held together like there's Asgard and like he's drawn in her book and she's like those are my notes please stop. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, but it it seems to me like it's, you know, especially based on the events of Ragnarok, it seems to me more like it's the nine realms that Odin is in charge of right. and that yeah. Thor is charged to protect. Um, mm, and it's okay. just the nine worlds that, you know, they have decided, like, these are the ones that we're going to take care of. Like, screw all the other ones. Nova Corps on that. <laughs> <laughs> that's That's how it kind of seemed to me. And even when I was reading... Uh, the uh, the Thor God of Thunder line that you had mentioned, like I felt like they were they were finding these other people worshipped as gods outside of the nine realms. Like yeah. it didn't seem like they were just going to, uh, you know, Vanaheim or one of these other places that we've heard kind of on Yggdrasil. So, uh, so yeah, that was kind of my impression of kind of the way that it, uh, at least the way that they've decided to be to have it now. Yeah, I think doesn't Thor pal around with Hercules or, or Hermes for quite a while? Oh yeah, uh, in, in in some of the comics. Yeah, uh, Thor Thor throws down with uh, Hercules, Ares. Um, I don't remember him hanging out with Hermes much, but yeah, in the comics they they definitely get down with the other pantheons. Uh, <laughs> I, I really like. The more I think about it, the more I want to see. Um, henry cavill as hercules it would be so funny because <laughs> he's just he's got that look you know he's got the look for it and it just he looks like he could have a lot of fun there well, especially because it seems to me especially from the those who are fans of the um attractiveness of mr cavill which i think <laughs> there are there are many myself included there are two very distinct schools there are those who love the very clean cut superman you know henry cavill mm-hmm. and then there's the the witcher henry cavill who hasn't showered in 5 days <laughs> but is just everything like you know every goth fantasy of yep. the you know of viking man and i can see hercules being a nice kind of halfway point for for those two you know uh, uh, particular I- images of Mr. Cavill. So that could be a fun casting. Yeah, with Hercules, it doesn't really matter which school you come from because uh, Hercules, his whole attire is basically just like a shoulder strap and that's it. Like, he's just <laughs> bare-chested out all the time, just like, this is who I am. Like, oh, sir. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that could work. 
We're an independent podcast from True Story FM. We love producing this show and geeking out about Marvel content every day. But it takes time and costs money. Without our members, for whom we are eternally grateful, we couldn't keep this going. Membership means that we can deliver content to you without selling your information and interest through podcast advertising sources. We like our privacy and know you do as well. If you're already a member, thank you so much. If you're not, please consider becoming a member for the season. It only costs $5 per month, or we offer a discounted price if you subscribe at the annual rate. You'll get bonus episodes, early access to shows, access to live streams, stickers, and more. Plus, you get the comfort of knowing that you're supporting this independent podcast production. Visit truestory.fm slash Minute to learn more. Thanks. Pulling us back a little bit from Tangent Land that I led us into. <laughs> when you think of Thor from the comics, what what is what is the definitive Thor? Like what are the, you mentioned the chivalry and the warrior? Like what are the things that make Thor who Thor is? Uh, exactly that the the lack of hesitation to dive headlong into the problem, rather than where some you know some heroes have to like sit back and question, like, is this something that I can even handle? Thor's like, I don't care if I can't handle it. I have to do something. I'm going. You know, it kind of gets him in trouble sometimes, but, <laughs> like, that the, just... The, phrase, the term headstrong seems easily applied to Mr. Thor. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> but, you know, that just that proves his mettle, and and that you know, he's he's going to be there for the people that need him. And, like, that's the main thing, is that he is always going to be there for the people that need him i think that speaks so so well to kind of the whole idea of thor as a hero right and and i think to that end the the team at marvel when they put the film together i think that they found a lot of those elements and they crafted a story about kind of him going on that journey to kind of stop being such an arrogant headstrong individual while maintaining that but still starting to make decisions that were kind of for the greater good rather than, uh, you know, just based on his own uh, decisions. So I, I, I love that they did that. And, you know, like it's it's interesting in the film, um, you see like you see this transition from this guy who like he dives headlong into the problem, but because of his arrogance, he dives headlong in the wrong way and kind of, you know, he goes about he wants to do the right thing, but he or rather he wants the right ends to be met, but he's doing the wrong thing to get there and, you know, not necessarily going the the right path to it. And then by the end of it, he's learned that humility and that, you know, maybe, maybe self-sacrifice is the right thing to do or, you know, a bit of compromise and like people, you know, some people need to exist. Maybe they need to be separated, but, you know, <laughs> everybody needs to be allowed to exist. You know, you look, you can't kill an entire race. Like, it's, you know, it's, it's that whole, it's the hero's journey. You know, he's, he's literally gone to a different place, come back and been like, man, I'm changed. <laughs> yeah. 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 He yeah. literally becomes worthy in a way that he had proven he wasn't before. Right. Right. And yep. what is his relationship with Odin and with Loki like? I think as we're going to get into in, in later episodes of this podcast, but Kenneth Branagh has talked a lot as the director of the movie that what really drew him was they saw like almost a King Lear aspect in terms of the king and his two sons and the the brokenness in all three of the relationships among the three of them. 
is a lot of that in kind of like the rivalry between Thor and Loki and, you know, Odin maybe not being the best at kind of helping them both feel validated and that, you know, Thor always giving Loki another chance, even though Loki maybe doesn't deserve it or does. Is that all in the comics or is a lot of that created for this? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's there's a ton of Thor giving Loki another chance and uh, Loki screwed us over again. Don't know why we didn't learn our lesson this uh, again. <laughs> and um, like the the main thing um, that I remember from uh, like, especially uh, the end of Siege. Siege was a great story. Um, Odin came back and like completely shut down. Everybody it was like, no, we're going we're going home, and that is it. And Thor's like, "But this is our home. Like, I, I am the king now. Like, I'm in, I'm in charge. I, I defended everything." And Odin's like, "No, we are going home. Like, doesn't take counsel from anybody. Absolutely the worst kind of arrogant." And then, like, Thor tries to to stand up to him and try to fight him, uh, and raises Mjolnir, and Odin's like, "Mjolnir, drop and." Just it goes straight down. He's like, you can't challenge me, boy. Like, <laughs> that's not a lesson that Thor needs to learn. <laughs> like, you need to be a better parent, Odin. God. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of that, I yeah. think, through all of this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One of the things that, and this is, this is now going way further into the movies, but one of the things that I found... You know, sometimes it's one of the reasons why I'm so excited to dive into Thor is you get these moments of, oh, you know, now that I know where Thor winds up in this Ragnarok thing, you know, it it, it makes me view what we see in this first movie in a different light. And I recently rewatched this and had a very powerful moment that I'd never thought of before where I'm watching Loki explain that he thinks what his father would want is for him to wipe out the Frost Giants. And at the time, you sort of see it and go, well, why would Loki want that? Why would Loki ever think that Odin would want that? You know, clearly this is a sign of how much Loki doesn't understand his father. Yep. But then I watched Thor Ragnarok, where <laughs> Odin did want to do exactly that. Odin was <laughs> the per And my qu really, the question I want to know is, did the... What did the writers of the first Thor movie know, know that? And I, I guess the way to ask it is... Is is that past of Odin with Hela, is that part of the comics at all? Or was that something they invented for the Ragnarok movie? I believe that was something they invented for the Ragnarok movie. They kind of okay. um they kind of went a little loose on the interpretation there. Um Hela is uh in in mythology, Hell Hell, her name, and the place name, like <laughs> it's kind of confusing, but Hell is the daughter of Loki. And, um, like, that's the familial bond there rather than being siblings. Um, and she exists in her little realm called Hell, where basically uh, the dishonored dead are sent. And they kind of maintain that with um, with the comics in that she lives in her realm and she's kind of the goddess of death. And, like, that's why she's the goddess of death is that she rolls over like a like a Hades type thing. Um rather than the goddess of killing everybody uh, that they tried to do in Ragnarok. It's too bad, because I, I kind of like that interpretation of it. It still works in headcanon, but that, that does make more sense. It would seem a, a very, very deep cut for them to have put that in this movie. 
only yeah. paid off many, many movies later. Although the whole idea of of finding out that you have siblings you never knew you had, that certainly goes in line with kind of the mythology and even within the kind of the, the realm of the stories of the comics. Right. Yeah. So it's, that certainly has been something that has happened. There's a lot of, oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, oh, this right. now. <laughs> right. Very soap operatic. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> with... <laughs> Sorry, the story of Sleipnir is is one of my favorites, um, and it's it's super soap soap operatic. It's it's ridiculous. And one thing that I've been noting as I've been reading through the the, the original mythology is, and a lot of this is from Neil Gaiman's take on it, but also kind of trying to find translations of the Eddas and stuff like that. Thor, real dumb, like oh, dumb. In, of, in in the myth. <laughs> And especially, it seems Thor is very rarely a protagonist of the story. He's generally, he's much more the, like, the, the term himbo comes to mind. Really, I think of, like, yeah. Kronk from Emperor's <laughs> New Groove. You know, he's yeah. just... <laughs> he's the muscle. He's the yeah. muscle, and he's dumb as a box of rocks. And it's a lot around, like, Loki trying to manipulate him and then failing and having to get out of trouble. It, does it seem interesting to you that, like, of all those Norse characters, that Thor is the one who gets t- turned into, like, this major comic book character? Uh, you know, he's, eh, <laughs> I, I, like, there, there are others that could have been, you know, like if Balder had been, uh, you know, the hero that got turned into a comic book character, like that would be fine, but that would be just like, you know, that would be just like every other hero. Like, oh, it's the pretty boy who's also a good fighter and like, yeah, whatever. Right. Um, I, I like the, the idea of the guy who's kind of dumb every now and again, and like gets himself into trouble and has to be taught a lesson, you know, be taught humility, uh, be you know put on earth in the body of a of a a cripple as they they call it in the first right. issue. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know it was the sixties. Times yeah. were different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so you know he's a he's a handicapped man walking around with a cane, and he keeps calling himself a lame a lame man or a lame doctor, and I'm like. Come on, man. But <laughs> like, you're not that bad. Uh, <laughs> but like, you know, being brought low, being uh, being taught humility in that way. Like, I like that. I like that he can learn. You know, I like mm. that he's not perfect because, you know, somebody who's perfect all the time is really boring. There's no journey there. Uh, hence Superman. <laughs> and he always has another lesson to learn. Like he learns a lesson. And then he, it's almost like he just kind of keeps falling into old mistakes. It's, yeah. it's, it's kind of funny. <laughs> it's that humanity that we keep seeing. Yeah, exactly. And I think exactly. that's part of what makes Thor such an interesting hero, especially in contrast to like a Loki, but also to someone like a Tony Stark uh, or a Nick Fury, and that he is, he's kind of too dumb to be evil in some ways, in like that he's like, he just doesn't have that like plotting mind. But, yep. but, the, but the flip side of that is that he is a person with absolutely zero malice in his heart. Like if I if I think there's any person who is the most pure of heart in the comics in in the MCU, it's definitely Thor. Uh, well, Ant Man's close, but that's a whole other <laughs> my whole other love for, for Scott Lang. But I think it's one thing. I think it's why he's now considered like the the patron saint of the himbo. You know, beautiful but dumb, but polite, never going to be sexist or never going to be terrible. And it's interesting for me to for hear from you that that is so much a part of the. You see it in the comics and you see it in the mythology that he's not he's not capable really of the sort of like just trickery and deceivery. He's just there's a problem. You know, he it's the ultimate like I've got a hammer. Every problem's a nail. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
I, I, I often envy his, uh, his simplistic methods of like, I can just hit it with the hammer and it'll go away. Like, that's not how real problems are in life. That's, that's not how it is at all. But like, I wish it were that simple. <laughs> I mean, to me, I, I think if I have a favorite moment of Thor's journey, it comes much later when he does hit the problem with an axe, he takes the problem's head off with an axe yeah, and right. nothing changes, you know, and, and just it the, doesn't solve anything. Ugh, and you no. realize why it breaks. Uh, and this is what I'm so excited about. Cause knowing where that goes, seeing him with a hammer now, is just going to be, I, I, I'm really just excited for the journey. I'm really glad you're helping to kind of fill in these, uh, filling these gaps for us. Yeah. It's a thrill to have you here. I look forward to hearing, uh, I, I look forward to exploring this character some more. And, uh, there's a lot of fun to be had in this journey because it sounds like you read most of the comics after you saw the movie is that correct or was it kind of a mix of both um like i i had a little bit of of intro to comics um through a friend in high school but i didn't really start digging into it really like really hard until after the movies came out yeah I was going to ask you, like, what about the movie has seemed off to you? <laughs> you know, obviously that that difference. none of it. It was perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Are there moments though now where you go as you read the comics and you're like, wait, that doesn't that's not how Thor is supposed to be. And you realize, oh, wait, no, this is the original. Um, like, are, are there things where you see in the movie that don't quite line up with the Thor from the comics? Well, the the Thor movie, the Thor film, uh, you know, way back in the day, 2011, it was the it was the first film that Marvel did that kind of diverged from your standard or rather diverged from what had been established in the comics as the origin story. Cause like, you know, Iron Man, you know, he went to, in the original comics, it was like he went to Vietnam and got captured or whatever. And like they updated it, but it was still the same thing. Like he got captured by a rogue group, you know, in a place where America was making war and then, you know, found out like, oh, war bad. Oh, look at that. <laughs> um, Captain America was part of the the super soldier experiment. You know, uh, Bruce Banner was experimenting with gamma radiation. Like all these things are, are the same throughout those. Like those beats are all the same. But in the Thor comics, uh, you know, in Journey into Mystery, you've got Donald Blake traveling to Norway just on a vacation. And it's so silly like some <laughs> aliens come down in spaceships and they call themselves the stone men of saturn and if you remember the uh the big rock creature in uh thor the dark world where thor walks up to him and he's like i accept your surrender and then like smashes him that race is what came down in spaceships and they were like we're gonna take over earth and <laughs> donald blake you know hobbling around with his cane is like oh no i have to run and like goes to hide in a cave loses his cane in the process finds just a random stick on a pedestal and is like ah, i can use this as a cane and tries to like move a boulder in the back of the cave with it he's like maybe if i get some leverage and then like he he gets frustrated and slams the stick against the boulder and then like poof he becomes thor like that was mjolnir in disguise as the stick he just happened upon it and then turned into Thor and was like, oh, I'm now a hero and like I can do all these things. And like he fights the stone men and the stone men are like, oh, God, we didn't know Earthlings were this crazy powerful. The rest of them are obviously going to be this powerful run. Oh, boy. <laughs> <We> leave. <laughs> and it's so silly. But I love it. <laughs> and it's very of its era. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's very like it's that pulp ridiculousness. But they don't do that at all in this film. Like it is not that at all. Like 
you know, maybe the overarching Thor or uh, Thor was sent by Odin down to Earth to learn humility thing. Like that still tracks. That's one of the main beats. But that like that's happened a ton of times. Like that keeps happening. And it kind of eventually happens with Donald Blake, right? Like, I I don't know, five or six years later, I think they came out with that storyline where um, he finds out that, oh, he had been, I mean, it almost is like kind of the beginning of Thor where he had actually been here the whole time. Yeah. Odin had sent him down so that he would eventually prove his worth. And, but it, uh, yeah, I, but I felt like in the comics, they were like, you know, this Donald Blake thing, let's just call him Thor. You yeah. know, it's like they just finally gave up on the whole thing. Yeah, there were there were a few times where, like, he's he's Donald Blake and, like, hits the hammer to become Thor. And then, like, they were they just kind of pushed that out to like uh, they they merged there. He's just Thor now. He's just Thor forever. Uh, or like. Or uh, they separated, and now Donald Blake is his own entity, and Thor's just, you know, he can go do his thing all the time now. Uh, but then in, like, in the Ultimate comics, um, Thor was reincarnated as somebody else entirely, and Donald Blake was a separate entity. It turns out that Donald Blake was actually the reincarnation of Balder, and, like, all of the Norse mythology uh, pantheon, the Norse pantheon, had been uh, reincarnated on Earth and, like, were kind of awakening sort of like the way they did in um the eternals run with neil gaiman mm. um mm. but that's a different thing entirely that's a right. whole other pantheon <laughs> yeah there right. well i think that get, uh, there's obviously so much more we could talk about but we've gone on for a little while um and andy i've been asking a whole slew of questions what else do, do other things you want to throw out either as comments or questions no, I just, I, you know, it's a lot of uh, fantastic stuff. And I mean, I've started reading the Thor comics as kind of getting into this. And I definitely appreciate you sending over le- a list, Jeff, and uh, just more fantastic and interesting stories to explore. So I, you know, I'm having fun reading the comics and seeing where they fit into the to the film. And so it's a lot of fun. I, I'm really glad that you were able to uh, come over here and, and join us to chat about uh, the God of Thunder. The God of Thunder. <laughs> that's right, that's Definitely. Right. And I just sort of ask you as a closing question, if someone was just going to read one run, only one run, to really just kind of get the like quintessential, this is Thor, this is why Thor is so much fun. Because I do agree, as much as I like the Branagh movie, I think the one thing it missed sometimes was the little, the over-the-top ridiculousness that Ragnarok later gets. Uh, and it's not necessarily that, but like if you're just going to read one comic stretch that that really is... This is all you need to know about Thor. What would what would you say it should be? Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to say journey into mystery because that's uh, it's kind of a slog, and you have to have you have to have a right mindset for that sort of thing. Um, the old comics they they are a trip. Uh, <laughs> I think you know to for for the modern reader, the the mighty Thor, uh, Jason Aaron run. That uh, that had Jane Foster pick up the hammer. I think that one is probably the best, the best uh, interpretation, or rather, the best story for what makes somebody worthy, mm. and what makes Mjolnir important, and what makes the title of Thor important, and kind of the the journey that the Odin son goes on to, you know, to find that worthiness. And he's without Mjolnir for most of that run. Right. And I think that that one is, is probably the one that, like, brings you closest back to the core of what Thor is. Nice. And that, that sounds so interesting to me because it, it's kind of a, 
a common trope in st- superhero stories. Because the first thing I think of is Iron Man 3, where you really have to, like, you know, it's not quite the hammer, but Tony Stark really has to figure out, like, who is he outside of, you know, when he doesn't have the suit. And so I like that idea, like the similar kind of, you know, yeah, it's the hero really finding themselves outside of the tools and the weapons and the, the special powers. Yep. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for being a part of this. I think, um, you know, our our listeners, a lot of them are, are big Marvel fans. Hopefully many of them have already heard of your work. But uh, for those who haven't, uh, I you're obviously doing great podcasting stuff about comic books. And you're now uh, having a few drinks in the evenings and talking about mythology. Uh, where can people find the, the many things you're doing that are relevant to all this? Strandedpanda.com is the main hub of all of our uh, all of our network. Uh, on there, you will find the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast uh, that I am the uh, co-founder, co-host, co-creator, co—you know—all the things <laughs> on. Um, you can also find Legends and Libations every other Thursday night on twitch.tv slash TV. Uh, where we basically have a drink or th- three or four and uh, <laughs> talk about some crazy mythological stories and various legends and ghost stories. We're uh, in, in actually on October, in October, we're going to be doing one every week because there's a ton of great ghost stories for October. Like, nice. come on. And I think you have done one already on the Norse mythology, right? Yeah, we've done two on Norse mythology so far. Uh, Legend of the Libations episode one was about the uh, the origin of Sleipnir. Crazy story. The second one, uh, episode two, was about the origins of Gungnir, uh, which is Odin's spear. Uh, I cannot remember the name of it, but um, Frey's ship that can be folded up into his pocket, which is silly. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, uh, the origin of Mjolnir and, you know, how... Sif got her golden locks back, but you know, back in black. <laughs> um, and then, um, you know, the the ring that was given to him, and the, the golden boar that uh, that Frey rides through the the night sky. Nice. It's it's an wow. it's it's a story. Yeah. Like, Lots of stories. Yeah. yeah, it's great. We have a lot of fun with uh, with that show. That is probably the most fun I I have making a show. Yeah. And it's not because I'm intoxicated. Awesome. <laughs> you managed to make the history very interesting. I think for folks who, any of those stories sound interesting, definitely check it out. But especially for the Norse mythology that's going to be so relevant to everything about Thor, definitely check those things out. Excellent. I try. I try. Thank you so much for being a part of this. Andy, thank you as always. Jeff, thank you so much for being a part of this. And to all of our listeners, thank you always. Uh, you get hearing all these different ways that you can take part in this through membership, through the Discord. I really hope you can do that. I really hope you can... Join us in the conversation because we're having so much fun and always great to hear from you. But most importantly, have a good day. Until next time, true believers. Marvel Movie Minute is a production of True Story FM, engineering by Andy Nelson. This season's music is One Last Ride by Martin Puringer. Find the show at truestory.fm. And if your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, consider doing that for this show. True Story.